Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to the Liberated Woman podcast. I'm your host, Shanee. I'm a rebirthing breathwork facilitator, ancestral healer, and spiritual guide, and it's my life's mission to support women just like you on your path to spiritual awakening and feel safe in doing so. This podcast is for you to awaken your feminine energy, elevate your consciousness, and reclaim the truth of who you really are. If you know that you are ready for more and want to stop playing small and take radical responsibility for your healing, expansion, and liberation so that you can live your life in your highest pleasure, you've come to the right space. Each episode, you will receive a deepening of your feminine wisdom so that you can be reminded of the magic and power that already lives in you. Let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Liberated Woman. I'm really excited because today I have a wonderful guest um, by the name of Claire Standen. I met Claire last year at Burning Women Festival. Um, She came to my breathwork journey at the festival and I'm so pleased that she's on today because she's an amazing woman. Um, She's a women's empowerment coach, a speaker and an activist, my kind of woman. She helps women feel less fear, more freedom, and is committed to living a life that she loves in service to others. And I asked Claire to pick the topic for today's podcast episode, and she picked why powerful women are to be celebrated, not feared, which I absolutely love. So Claire, do you want to share a little bit about maybe why you chose this topic? Yeah, so I, I across sort of five years of a lot of inner work it it really began for me as kind of moving away from victimhood and as I kind of stepped into what my version of a powerful woman looks like I recognized that what I had maybe thought was powerful before was often just reactions to a lot of hurt you know Mm. and living in that victim story and as I've worked with other people as a coach it's like I recognize I'm not alone in that Mm. you know both women and men um operate in their wounded states a lot of the time and I think it's this huge tragedy where nobody feels powerful and everybody seems to kind of go around hurting each other from their own wounding it's like you know you the old saying that you uh bleed on the people who didn't cut you you know yeah, hurt, <laughs> um, people, hurt people there's yeah exactly really phrase yeah I love mm-hmm. that so would you say that your journey to becoming a, a women's empowerment coach or an activist is coming from your own place of victimhood and your own place of wounding that you've kind of alchemized and now you want to teach other other people how to alchemize their victimhood and their wounds as well for empowerment yeah yeah exactly um and you know it is such a it's it's basically a journey that nobody can tell you to take I feel like this you know it's it's a soul's journey really it's the pull from inside of you that says you're you're really meant for more you know you're meant for a bigger life you're meant to connect with other people in a different way um there's more love available to you there's more joy available to you and peace and all of these things that we all really crave long for and shut ourselves away from if we 
kind of perpetually tell ourselves the story that we're a victim of something or someone outside of us. So yeah, that you know, it's the kind of twin trail for me of my work. The most powerful work I can do in the world is the work I've lived through myself, you know. Absolutely. I think I think so many um people that go into this kind of spiritually healing work, it's we come from that place of we've experienced this ourselves. And it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone who goes through a journey like this becomes a healer or a coach or, you know, um, a shaman or whatever it is. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that you go into that. And I am quite a big advocate for, you know, any woman can access this work and, you know, Mm. access their liberated woman and access their empowerment and access their divine feminine. And actually although we need the coaches and the healers and the shamans and um, the Reiki masters and all of, all of the different healing modalities, we need those on the planet right now as we're, you know, on this precipice of human awakening, uh, Mm. particularly for women. But we also need women who understand this work in schools, in the boardroom, in the dentist's clinic, you know, we need them. In the Midwives. And yeah, yeah, we need them in, in the average daily life. And, I really feel quite um, passionate about getting the message across that, you know, being in your liberated self and being in your divine feminine and being in your empowered self as a woman is not about being, you know, a shaman on the beach in Costa Rica wearing a white flowing mm. dress and banging a drum. You know, this is for all women to be able to access um, at any point in their lives. And it doesn't mean just because you have an awakening that you have to become a coach or a healer or, Mm. you know, things It might lead you down that path. And that's incredible. Um, But there are so many other areas of life that that your empowerment and your transformation from victimhood into power gets to play out. You know, the mother with her children and the wife and the partner and um, the daughter and in, in any capacity, I think we need it to be more and more in kind of mainstream settings, um, particularly in kind of masculine oriented worlds um, mm. where we have this empowered woman who who is celebrated and, and not feared. Um, and I'm kind of curious to go a little bit into that kind of part of the conversation about why powerful women are feared and where that's mm. from. And I'm definitely um, found in my own personal journey that as, as quite a fiery powerful woman um definitely trigger people um yeah. in many many ways and that's okay mm, <laughs> and mm. why 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 people do fear powerful women and, and kind of historically as well you know in, in the patriarchal world that we've grown up in so yeah I'd love to hear your thoughts about that yeah yeah I think we're so indoctrinated into the patriarchal patriarchal idea that power means power over Mm. and for me as a a journey into the kind of divine feminine Mm. what I've recognized and and, you know embody is that actually this is not a power over this Mm. is power within Mm. you know and it doesn't it, it does it massively impacts how you relate to other people but to me, when you're in in contact with this, it's only more love, mm. you know, only more understanding, only more compassion. It's not that you then feel 
hierarchically above you know it's it's that recognition that everybody like you're saying has this as a birthright you know to to feel personally powerful sovereign in their own life at choice you know that what is right for them is right for them and may not be right for somebody else but that they feel able to make those decisions and to live the life that they want to live yes and that's I think scary looking in because what happens is you have a woman who is unapologetic Mm. she's not making decisions to make other people comfortable and women for eons have been indoctrinated to make their decisions based on what's best for everybody else yeah absolutely and and still to this day there are so many women out there and that kind of plays a little bit into the victimhood that you were talking about earlier um that we've been so conditioned to be the good girl that we mm. people pleasers and you know we mustn't cause a fuss and I remember um a story um that I recently experienced uh, next we, we've had a, a series of um, issues with our roofs I live in a, a Victorian terraced house um, and kind of three houses down this road including mine all had leaky roofs um, over the winter when it was you know non-stop rain mm. um, there was a huge message in that around um, welcoming in the feminine and the waters however I'll do a whole other episode on that my next door neighbor who rents the house next door um, was about eight months pregnant and the roof was leaking um, and the bedroom ceiling in their bedroom collapsed and she had a planned um, well they had to she, <laughs> I saw her outside of the house and she was crying and I asked her if she was okay and she told me about the collapsed roof and they'd already been doing the work on the roof and I was going through my own kind of dramas around it being scammed by a roofer um, losing a load of money and then having to pay an official roofer <laughs> to re-roof mm. by a roof. So that was a whole other story. But when I spoke to my next door neighbor and she was crying and I said to her, like, you need to ask your landlady if she can just re-home you just for a few days whilst they fix your bedroom ceiling, like maybe put you up in an Airbnb or a hotel or something like that. Now, this woman was eight months pregnant and about to give birth. And she said to me, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I don't want to make a fuss. Those were her words. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally stood there and I was like, you have to make a fuss. Like, this is for you and your ba- unborn baby. And you've already got a little girl and mm. your partner. And that's the landlady's responsibility. Like, you you don't have to be a victim of what's going on in your house. Like, you have the empowered voice to say to your landlady, this is really difficult for me right now. I'm not supposed to get stressed because I'm about to give birth. I don't want to pass this on to my baby, mm. my unborn baby. And that's, all, you know, we know about the birth script. Well, you learned about that when you came to my, my, yeah. and like what we passing down to the baby and to be able to stand up in your own power and your own voice and, and be able to change the situation because not everything is in our control and we can choose mm. that we are a victim or become empowered from it. But just the fact that she said, oh, I don't want to make a fuss. And I really, you know, I, I found it quite incredible that that there are still so many women who who apologize or who who are making, um, yeah, making excuses and apologies for um, something that's that's not their problem and not their responsibility. Mm. And actually, the more we can empower 
these women to stand, like you said, in their unapologeticness, the more the world will just function in a much more harmonious way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, f- for me, what this kind of brings up is like, I think that when men look at women who are empowered and they start to understand that this will then be a woman who stays in situations which serve her and doesn't stay in situations which don't serve her, it starts to crumble the whole patriarchal view of what men are for, Mm. you know, as well as what women are for and what we understand about ourselves and what we're here for. But they start to question what their role is for us if we are empowered and um don't necessarily need anything of them you know of the usual things that they might place their worth on you know providing for us and then they start to have to be more you know which is a challenging journey because it's like oh I'm asking you to see me as this incredible um dynamic you know a multifaceted human being Mm. and you've been trained to see me maybe as somewhat useful to you you know and also as something that you get to look at that's you know pleasing to the eye Mm. and maybe more you know we hope for more in our men but at the same time we all have that societal training and it runs deep it runs really deep it runs and so really deep, <laughs> really deep, really deeper deep. than we can probably know or access because you know it's it's like so and deeply ancestral and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know we, we can talk about situations that we've experienced in our lifetime but when we start talking at a more cellular level around what we're carrying the stories the beliefs the memories and the traumas mm. of our ancestors as well then it becomes even deeper and an even kind of um uh more kind of expansive and exciting but also scary journey for a lot of women mm. because mm. the deconditioning centuries and centuries of inherited trauma you know and not then not to mention your cultural background or your religious background or where you've come from and your you know the, the way that you were raised and there are so many different factors um you know that are deeply ingrained within that as well Mm. Um, you know I I I read last summer you've probably seen the Netflix program um unorthodox I don't know if you've seen it Mm. um it started as a started as a book it's a memoir of a woman a a very religious orthodox Jewish woman who uh, grew up in Williamsburg in New York and she was you know forced into an arranged marriage at a very young age but she always knew that there's something wasn't right about being in this community and she wanted to escape um that's why it's called unorthodox because she essentially kind of removed herself from this ultra ultra orthodox community and I'm Jewish by birth and by my heritage and my ancestry I've never been religious I've never been orthodox um Mm -hmm. however when I read this book I felt in my body the shame like the cellular level shame that it brought up around being a woman in this society. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I haven't lived that life in that particular community, it's somewhere in my ancestry, in my Jewish lineage, 
there will be a connection to that and I just felt it so deeply like Mm -hmm. it brought up so many feelings of like sickness and and clamminess in my body as I was reading this book um and it's as if I could feel like sweats of like beads of sweats of shame like coming Mm -hmm. words and uh, some of the things that she said in the book she said things like I would make an ironclad um armor around me so they wouldn't know how upset I really was like things like that like she said things and I and I felt it you know so deeply in my heart like how many women have done that like how many of us have had to like mask ourselves or um hide away you know that what we really want to say or really want to do or really the way we really want to live because we've been so deeply shamed into believing Mm. wrong um or that it's not good enough or that it doesn't fit the expectations of whoever it is is shaming us yeah and so yeah I I kind of wanted to bring in that ancestral piece as well because you know for so many women you know we're we're two white women in the UK to having this conversation I'm I'm so aware that like culturally you know that that there is inherited cultural um disempowerment or empowerment in different ways as well I think it's kind of important to to mention that as well Mm-hmm. yeah incredibly and it, it, like the the religion piece around whatever religion it is for me I was brought up actually really like almost indoctrinated into a deep fear and mistrust of religion mm-hmm. you know of, of any religion all religion and um for example I remember my dad standing up at my uncle's funeral and railing against what the I don't even know what they would be called priest or person had just said about how uh, our uncle had been taken for a higher good and my dad said you know I can't think of any higher good than raising his children here on earth you know and I was like listening to this and this was my indoctrination was just like religion shut the door spirituality absolutely not you know none of that rubbish kind of thing and actually my journey back to spirituality has involved like the sacred divine feminine root of understanding that what Mary Magdalene was saying was you don't need the church you don't need anybody opening a door for you for this because the door is in your heart and it all exists within you and you are both human and divine at all times in your sexuality in your you know in your birthing in your love of another human in everything and anything that you could ever do you're already connected to the divine and nobody gets to um allow or disallow you that and that's why she was so heretical and that's why you know her scriptures were burnt and buried and hidden and kept in a cave for thousands of years and why why you know a lot of fear has that you know this is what part of why the power of women is feared because when we are connected to that knowing and it is a bodily knowing that we contain the key to it all and we don't need permission from anybody outside of us and we don't need you know uh, even a structure a hierarchical structure Mm -hmm. of any kind and we don't need the patriarchy 
yeah you you better believe that's dangerous women you absolutely because what have we got to fear absolutely absolutely and that's it like we used to live in a matriarchal world and the goddess was worshipped and the temple of the feminine arts were destroyed and you know they put a, a sun a sun a sun god up in the sky and called him the man and we needed to worship it and the the feminine arts were lost and they were not just lost they were as you said they were made to be um shameful a sin mm. no uh it's dangerous and we we can't believe in that and obviously we know we know but maybe the listeners don't know about Mary Magdalene and we could do a whole other episode on that because I could talk about that all day too mm-hmm. um but you know, she she was portrayed as as the lowest of the low, right? You know, in in the eyes of what of what that was for the patriarchy, a prostitute, a whore, yeah. lowest yeah. of the low. And she is probably one of the most incredibly revered feminine teachings that we could ever experience. She is a teacher and yeah. means teacher. In fact, um, my my grandmother is um, Egyptian by heritage. And was born in um, in Magdala, so I yeah. When I lived in Israel, that was my real like awakening into the Magdalene energy. And I did like a little pilgrimage up to the north of Israel to visit and really connect with the waters. And it was it was beautiful. And I still I still work with her energy. And um, yeah, I mean when we when we start to understand that lineage and we start to understand and remember that we we were the priestesses of of these temples that we had all of these skills all of these incredible gifts um have been buried and lost and I really feel like women more and more are are unearthing these gifts and it can feel really confusing for them and and they don't know where to turn and you know obviously that's why you and I have hold, hold roles and hold space for those women to feel safe and in in those spaces to feel their liberation and to access liberation in ways that you know they may have never otherwise been able to access because no one's ever given them the permission or they don't Mm. do so or they've been shamed for it or embarrassed for it um so yeah I I love anything to do with Mary Magdalene and and definitely this you know even even the disregard for the cycle of the year and the way that they change the calendars and you know we've Mm. got these kind of patriarchal rules about when the new year is and you know it just it just doesn't make sense for the feminine cycle or the cycles of the feminine earth and mother earth it just doesn't make sense mm. um, and I think that more and more women are awakening to to the real truth and listening in more um and for those that that are struggling to do so or just kind of beginning to do so it's so important that they have support and someone to guide mm. them through that journey because you know I remember and you probably do when you first started to to awaken into your feminine how frightening it was and overwhelming yeah. and scary and you knew that there was more you knew you wanted more you knew that there was something on the other side of what you'd been doing mm-hmm. um but you didn't know how to get there there was no no roadmap no path no no, no guidebook um and it really is a journey that's non-linear you know and it's the, yeah the shadow and the light um and it's, it's a beautiful journey but it's also an overwhelming and a scary journey <laughs> mm, and it's one of the reasons that I um each week in my basically a newsletter really I send out um stories of women from myth and legend and history um to reconnect women with mm. you know that 
part of us is you know Carly and part of us is Mary Magdalene and part of us is each and every one of these journeys Mm -hmm. because the path isn't linear and at some point you'll connect with each story in a different way Um, and actually that's really sweet because to 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 make it really homely the kind of Mary Magdalene thing I had been thinking you know I felt this need to go on a pilgrimage basically to and and in a way I would have loved if I wasn't a mum to like gone and spent some time in a literal cave you know that's how I felt this call for a really long time to do that and in in a way oftentimes I go into the cave that is me you know and just kind of spend some time there deeply reflecting but um Mary Magdalene calls to me again and again and again and I recently realized that right next to my children's school is the Magdalene well Mm. (laughs) and it occurred to me that without knowing it for a couple of years every day I take Mm. a pilgrimage to the well amazing Amazing. (laughs) beside it and I was just kind of blown away you know it's that kind of thing where I was like I thought you know I would have to go to Egypt or I would have to go um, to at least the south of France or something. And as it turns out, I take that pilgrimage every day. Um, I I love that because the same thing happened to me. Like when I was living in Israel at the time that all of my feminine awakening happened when I was living in Israel. And it's no wonder because I was on the land of my ancestors and I was on the Mm. land of Magdalene and Yeshua and I was on the land of of you know Christ consciousness and Jerusalem and all of the things that have gone down there you know all of the patriarchal all of the conflict all of the wars Mm. um my grandmother was said is Egyptian and I ended up back in in the UK because I was in India um doing my breathwork training when uh, April 2020 hit and I hadn't lived in the UK for for 10 years. I would, I'd been teaching abroad. I've, I've always been a teacher in my essence, no matter what kind of teaching I've been doing. I've always been a teacher well, because of being a Magdalene. And mm-hmm. she is the teacher archetype. And I ended up back in, in the UK having to live with my mum and dad. And they'd moved to Norfolk from London. And we are on the ley lines here, the Michael Mary ley lines. And where I bought my house, um, I'm on... Uh, literally the road parallel to me is Magdalene Street and Mary mm-hmm. Magdalene Church is oh, wow. the road um and actually just this Saturday gone I went to an ecstatic dance at Mary Magdalene Church they don't normally hold it there they normally hold it somewhere else and at the very beginning of the dark I, I didn't even realize I did it but I wore a red top and I never mm-hmm. normally wear red it's not my color you probably see me a lot in oranges and browns and kind of like my brown colors and I love them desert desert vibes and I really resonate with the desert um and I actually grew up in the desert for about three years when I was a kid so Mm -hmm. I really resonate with like desert sands and and oranges and browns but I put on this red top went to the church and at the beginning when they asked us for our like a one word intention I just said Magdalene and throughout the ecstatic dance like she just came to me so clearly took me on this massive long journey into the pyramids um and uh I speak light language and move light language and so just whole new light language just came out like a magdalene wow it was yeah it was really incredible so yeah she 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 definitely like wants to be seen and wants to be like remembered and um, Mm -hmm. it's it's beautiful because you know that's just the feminine remembering and the feminine awakening and it's amazing so I love that story because it's like a yeah. like who knew that I would end up in Norfolk 
I'd lived in London, Singapore, Tel Aviv, and then Norwich. Like they're so different. And um, and yet here here she is. She finds me again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I, I love that your your story was the same as well. Like she she helped you on your pilgrimage. She's just there. Yeah, yeah she's going to be there in the background always. Yeah. I love that. So I just got a couple more questions for you. Um, and then there's a question I will, I would love to ask you as well at the end. Mm-hmm. So you you call yourself an activist um, as well as a coach and a speaker. So maybe just share with share with the listeners what kind of activism you are. Um, yeah. Okay, so the kind of activism that I do really is like an everyday activism. Mm. (laughs) Uh, I'm thinking right now of the conversation I had with my kids school yesterday, for example, advocating for my kids, advocating for a cultural change in schools where we acknowledge that emotional regulation is the job of an adult in a relationship, Mm. not a child, (laughs) Um, bringing forth my journey of doing that with my kids in parenting um you know I actually considering consider doing things like crying in that kind of setting a form of activism yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know it's It's a permission yeah Yeah. it's like um it's not just children who struggle with emotional regulation you know teachers have to lock themselves down shut themselves off from their feelings their bodies in order to do the job they do you know they're not even going for a pee (laughs) Um, when they need (laughs) you know so I'm like um it's really it's an everyday in every way kind of an activism as well as some bigger issues which I've unfortunately had to tackle in terms of like sexual assault that I was subjected to um but I also mean you know in in terms of like um sovereignty over my body and having those conversations with my partner you know about what I like and what I don't like and I just think that if we start to connect to our power we start to need to have these kinds of conversations which look and sound very much like activism at tiny scales in each and every conversation and on a bigger scale when we engage with like systems and structures that we live within absolutely and I think that's part of like you know why I call this podcast the liberated woman and why my Mm. my one-to-one journey with women is called the liberated woman because you know I I I truly believe that like every woman gets to be seen heard and witnessed and feel liberated enough in their bodies in their souls in their hearts in their voices to be able to do that and so many women don't and no. you know I've been there you've been there yeah we've seen it over and over again and you you know exactly what you just described and it kind of comes back full circle to what we spoke about at the beginning is that this like access to the divine feminine this embodied woman this liberated woman it's not just for as I said the coaches and the shamans living a beautiful life, eating acai bowls and mm. smoothies on the beach and, you know, Costa Rica or Bali or wherever they are. This is for the average woman who goes into school and advocates for her kids. Or yeah. the single mum in the courtroom who's fighting for custody of her children. Mm-hmm. Or the woman who's sitting in front of the doctor saying, no, I want this examination because I know my body and I deserve yeah. X, Y and Z. And, you know, it, it's or for the women going into school or the teachers you know like you said and I just think if we can create safe spaces for 
women doing mm. any job, police officers, mm. um, you know, social workers, whoever it is that are, that are living kind of quote unquote a normal life, you know, that's who we want to really be empowering and liberating um, to get to a state of awareness and consciousness where they feel, yeah, I'm, I'm an empowered woman. I'm a liberated woman. And yeah. I get to live life, as you said, on the terms that they want. And that's exactly what, what I want for, for the women I work with too. So it's so great. Mm. That many of us out there like advocating for that. And um, yeah. And doing it in our own unique yeah. way that pulls in the particular group of people who are meant to yeah. work with us at that particular time because my um my group work at the moment is called revolution and it's because I do believe this is truly revolutionary work in yeah. terms of how you live your life you know it's just yeah. it's an about turn it's a complete change yeah. and we need held in that process I've always gifted myself that and we do yeah. need it yeah absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely agree with you on that one 100 percent um, and I think we are the revolution and the revolution yeah, is internal. And when we when we wake up to it and we go, OK, something's not right and we need to change. And I don't know where to go and I don't know what this path is. And it's very confusing and scary. That's when we we reach out for help. And again, as women, we've been kind of conditioned not to reach out for help as well. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we're, we're we're here with all of the conditioning trying to try to. Mm. Um, so. I've got two more questions for you. Um, the first one is what, I mean, I think we've kind of covered it, but like if you mm. can sum up in one sentence, what truly lights you up or brings you the most amount of joy? Because I think that's something that when we're, when we're talking about empowering women and coming away from victimhood and we're talking about the liberated women, you know, our, our kind of our, our end, our end outcome for transformation is the same, right? Like what we yeah. want to oh, feel absolutely. is the same. Um, so, you know, and, and, and a lot of the time it's because they don't know what lights them up or they've kind of buried that or suppressed that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. what would you say lights you up in one sentence? OK. So when I see a woman switch back on to the wildness of her nature. Mm. Mm. That moment where last night at my women's circle, a woman stripped off and ran into the sea amazing that you know but also that in any other form that it occurs uh, yeah. Yeah. shedding some story they had about themselves or yeah. whatever but yeah yes me too mm-hmm. <laughs> literally like my biggest joy in life is sitting in a women's circle and holding them I I, I yeah even like from the moment I sat in my first ever women's circle I felt a sense of home and then since I've been running them like you, it's like, even if I go in feeling a bit tired or a bit mm-hmm. defeated, I always come out feeling nourished and energized. Exactly. That was me last night. Day two of my period, completely flat, really. Lit yeah. the fire, let it kind of build up, built a massive yeah. fire actually last night. And then once women are there and we're we're connecting and we're vulnerable and, you know, the magic is happening, that's it for me gone it's it's the most nourishing space it really is yeah. that is why empowered women are feared because you know they understood the power of women when they gather together and how yeah. magical like and alchemical that is <laughs> yeah so I have one final question for you which I'll ask all of my podcast guests and that is 
Can you describe for me, in your own words, what a liberated woman is? Ooh, okay. So I I feel that a liberated woman is one who leads the culture in all of the relationships that she has mm. and in her family. Mm. And who knows who she is Mm. and what she wants Mm. and she also lives in her body is connected to her body's wisdom which Mm. is what guides her in knowing who she is and what she wants um yeah that's I think that's it because anything else would be too prescriptive. I love that answer. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Claire. Um, I've got your links um, where people can find you and I'll put those in the show notes if anyone is interested um, in connecting with Claire and the work that she does. I will put your website and your Facebook um, into the show notes. Um, Amazing. Brilliant. Is there anywhere else they can connect with you if you would like? Uh, my Facebook group is Grounded Feminine and that's probably the first place that most people find me fabulous I will make sure to add those to the show notes so that you can connect with Claire if you want to and I look forward to tuning in with another episode of the Liberated Woman very soon have a magical day everyone thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Liberated Woman podcast I hope this episode has landed in your heart and activated and awakened you in some way. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe and leave a review. This really helps more awakening women on their spiritual path to reach out and gives them a safe space to drop in and feel connected and empowered. I'd love to connect with you over on my IG at underscore Bella and in my Facebook group, The Divine School of Feminine Awakening. Until then, have a magical day.